Well, I'm not sure if you are tired of that little uh, 15 second <laughs> bumper. Um, this is our 11th week going through the book of Exodus. Can you believe that? And we are in our very final week. We're going to wrap it up today. And um, next week, we are going to start our series, Good Neighbor Project, that will correspond with all of our Good Neighbor Project activities. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But but today is our, our last day through the book of Exodus, and um, we will get all the way through chapter 40 today, even though I won't read all of it. But because it is our last week, I do want to kind of give us kind of a little recap to be able to explore and kind of put a button on all of the stuff that we've been talking about over the last 11 weeks, and really how we've looked at the book of Exodus, and I think it's... The major theme of the book of Exodus is we've looked at the kind of salvation story through that book. Uh, and it's, it's the Old Testament salvation story where it really takes people from the place where they're completely and totally enslaved to freedom. And if there's anything that we can really take away, if we kind of zoom out and take the big picture look at the entire book, is this kind of this picture of going to freedom is a journey and it's a process and it takes a long time and there's ups and downs and there is bloodshed difficulty strife struggle and there it's not a continuous straight line it's um and that's kind of what our lives are like right sometimes in script sometimes we have like this conception of we will come to God and have a moment in time where we like say the prayer and we're baptized and then like we're all set. And it's kind of that big moment. Those big moments are important, but real life is more complicated than that. And that is really uh, the picture that we get with this with the nation of Israel and the picture that we can reflect on in our own lives. So I want to kind of reflect on our own salvation story, so to speak, in light of all of that we talked about. If you kind of remember to kind of do a quick little kind of bullet point recap throughout the book is that at the beginning of the book, we find that the nation of Israel is completely and totally enslaved and they've been enslaved for a a period of time, a great number of years, it's like a, overall like a 400-year period that they are enslaved. And so there's pain, there's despair, there's death, there's generation upon generation that endures this. And the people cry out to God. And they're crying out to God for help. They're crying out to God for something to happen, something to change. And the reality is that's difficult for us to even comprehend is there's some generations that pass even before it feels like or looks like anything happens. It's a painful, difficult process. And um, uh, it looks like in many cases, in many generations, sin prevails and evil wins. And there's even moments in time in our life, and there's been moments in time in human history where people lived generations upon generations where evil prevailed. And they suffered and struggled and even died without seeing ultimate hope. And that's, that, that is challenging for us. That's challenging. But the story becomes more hopeful. But the progress or the movement toward salvation is not pleasant and easy. You see, it was, uh, you remember we talked about the different confrontations and the different um, 
kind of uh, standoff between Moses, who's God's chosen person, that, uh, and Pharaoh, who is keeping them enslaved. And there's the um, plagues that ensue. There's uh, lots of people died, lots of suffering to kind of get past and get over the hump and to make a change. And there may have been times in your life where you decided to make a dramatic move and change, and it did not come painlessly. I reflect on my own knee surgery that I've been uh, you know, rehabbing for the last five weeks. And um, I should have had this knee surgery two years ago, but I told my wife, it sounds painful. I don't want to do it. And so instead, I kind of hobbled around for two years, and eventually I decided to play a basketball game, and then my knee exploded. And that's kind of what tends to happen. And so, you know, there's always pain, and there's always difficulty, and always struggle when you try to push through and do something different. It's not going to be just like, uh, you know... Uh, I'm going to change everything in my life and everyone around you is just going to stand up and cheer and it's going to be simple and easy. There is resistance and there's difficulty and there's still that struggle of good and evil and other people that want you to stay in the same place that we deal with on our journey towards freedom. And then uh, the great moment, kind of the, the big moment in the Old Testament is where... Uh, the nation of Israel escapes uh, the slavery, goes and is on their way out of town, and Pharaoh chases after them, and God parts the Red Sea, and they walk through, um, and they finally are free of their captors as the water crashes down and engulfs the Egyptian army. And they are free, and they celebrate, and they worship, and they're pumped up, and finally this moment has come after 400 years, but the lessons keep coming. And the struggle continues. They have to learn to rely on God for food. And we see that story that we talked about, about the manna and quail and how they weren't unsure if they were going to have their basic needs provided for them. And God comes in and supernaturally provides that. And they had to learn to rely on God. They had to learn to embrace the community and share the load and not just... Uh, Moses couldn't do it all himself, so everybody kind of took their own responsibility and did different things to make sure the community was built up. They had to learn to embrace discipline where God comes down and says, here's the Ten Commandments that are rules from now and uh, principles for life. The you know, kind of big categories we talked about is love God and love neighbor. That's kind of how the Ten Commandments are divided up. And he said, you know, you have to learn to restrain yourself. And live moral lives so you don't harm one another and you don't harm your relationship with me. And then they had to learn how to treat one another, settle conflicts between, you know, uh, livestock and property and disagreements and all of those things. And then last week we talked about how they needed to worship God. And they needed to understand and know God is holy. And they needed to be reminded of those things. And so God talked about the temple that was to be built and what it was supposed to represent and how they would sacrifice and how they would honor and how they would make um, restitution for their sins. And so there's, there's all of these different things that are really give us pictures of kind of that long, long journey to freedom that all of us have to go through. It's always a struggle. And in many ways, if, another way to put it is kind of putting it in context of a relationship. Because kind of, uh, if you want to, again, look at big picture of the Bible, the, the Bible story is 
a story of our relationship with God and how it goes wrong and how it can be restored. That's really what the salvation story is about, is God chooses to create us to be in relationship with us, but it gets messed up and it goes off the rails often. And so if you think even reflect to some of the important relationships you've had in your life, you know, there's kind of that beginning phase where you're just trying to figure out one another and getting to know one another. And maybe there's some milestone moments early on, maybe that first date. And then there's a moment in time where something changes and there's like you stand up in front of your friends in a tuxedo and you say, I do. And that's like, okay, I settled it. This is like that big moment. But then you still have ups and downs and you still have struggles and you still have to continue it on. You still have to work on it. And this is like that's the picture of the people in the nation of Israel. And actually the rest of the Old Testament from this point forward kind of uh, details this up and down, the roller coaster ride. Moments of joy, moments of faithfulness, and moments of uh, complete and total failure. And so we're kind of concluding our, the book of Exodus to focus in on one of those stories. There's some other details in the last chapters of the book of Exodus, um, but we're not going to zero too much in on that. We're going to focus in on this one story of failure that just kind of shows what, what, what happens sometimes in our relationship in that salvation story. Um, so in Exodus uh, we're going to cover Exodus 32 through 40. Like I said, we're not going to detail too much of it. We're going to focus mostly on chapter 32. But what happens is, is Moses is returning from this experience on Mount Sinai where he was, God revealed to him many of the things we have here in Scripture. Many of these things that the people were going to do. It's going to set the stage for the whole Bible. And it's this big mountaintop experience where he's away from the people. And while the people, while he's away from the people, the people kind of rebel. And it's one of those plot twist moments where it's one of those down moments. And probably, and many people have reflected that this might be the low moment, one of the low moments in the entire story of the nation of Israel. Because it wasn't, it was, uh, wasn't but about 40 days earlier that they crossed the Red Sea and now... Um, they've been given the, the Ten Commandments. They've been given these rules, and they just completely fail. So let's read in Exodus chapter 32. I'm just gonna, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. It says this: When Moses saw, or when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, so they. Uh, did not expect him to be away so long. They gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings, brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. 
So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got uh, up to indulge in revelry. Not sure what that means. Maybe it was intentionally left that way. You can fill in the blanks of revelry. Um, Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt had become corrupt. They had become quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it. And have said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So let's pause there. And I, and I actually, I, I misspoke earlier. I think I said it was 40 days since they crossed the Red Sea. I meant 40 days since they had received the Ten Commandments. And Moses was up on the mountain and he was, he was with God. That God spoke dramatically and said, these are the things that you should follow. These are the commandments you should have. Number one, no other gods before me. Number two... Don't make any idols, no graven images. Don't do these things. So one and two, pretty simple. And as we talked about several weeks ago when we looked at the Ten Commandments, this is foundational about understanding who God is. Because if we don't have a correct understanding of God, and uh, then everything else falls apart. God is the authority. There's one God. There's one, one authority over all of us, and then all the rest falls into place. And so no other gods... You shouldn't be like the Egyptians who have thousands of gods and all of these things and they, they go after multiple things and competing gods and you can kind of pick which gods you like better than others and these different things and, and all of these pictures. And you shouldn't make like big statues and things like that. Can you, can you think of a group of people who did that a lot? The Egyptians, Right? They made huge statues and sphinx and carvings and all that stuff that we've discovered in the modern era of all these depictions of the gods. And God says, you will not be like them. You're not going to live like them. You're not going to act like them. That, That is the picture that you came out from. And that's not truth. And you need to follow me in truth. Follow me in this way. And they just received these, but Moses takes off for a little bit of time, and they fall right back into what they came from. They fall right into what they know or what they, what they had experienced before. Even though they walked through the Red Sea, even though they saw, saw God like decimate and destroy this picture of evil, they, they walked right back into that. Why in the world would they do that? Why do we do that sometimes? Why do we have those moments? Why do we, why do we, like, we, we like make those commitments and say, I'll never, I'm not going to live my life that way again. And then all of a sudden fall back into the same pattern again and again and again. Sometimes it's destructive patterns. And it's interesting how it unfolds is the beginning of the story is they're looking around and they don't see Moses in this moment in time, they're impatient and they're vulnerable to the temptation that they face. It's kind of one of those moments they're not hearing from God at that moment right then. And so they're particularly vulnerable right then and they fall right back into the old pattern again. And I think all of us can relate to that in a way or another. 
Uh, maybe you don't have golden calves that you like cast um, uh, when like things are getting uh, stressful or difficult. But there's moments in time in your life where like maybe you're at your wit's end. Maybe there's things that are mounting. Maybe you are particularly vulnerable where where things are coming into place where a temptation can easily uh, sweep you away. I think it's really important when we think about our journey of salvation, our journey to freedom, that we're very aware that this is a tenuous situation. That we're very aware that things can go bad very quickly. Like any relationship, anything, there's, you know, a moment in time can like harm a relationship for years and years and years. And there might be moments where we're particularly vulnerable, particularly uh, susceptible to temptation. And we got we to gotta know ourselves a little bit. Maybe it's when you're stressed out. Maybe it's when you're tired. Maybe when it's you're overwhelmed. Maybe it's when you hang out with a particular group of I, – I, I don't know. You're not teenagers, so probably you're good, good there. But, <laughs> but – it is, there are lots of different scenarios where you could fall to a place where right now it could go bad. And I think that the people right here are facing uh, multiple days where Moses is gone. I think it starts probably where, where, you know, the voice of the Lord seems distant or we're not, we're not like hearing God's voice on a regular basis. Maybe it's times where this is, this is true in my life, where the cracks start to form beneath the surface is where, like, you know, it's been a couple of weeks where I really, before, I, since I got away and kind of cleared my head and prayed and really had a good focused time. Maybe I said a prayer here or there, but I wasn't, I wasn't really focused the way I should be. Maybe, maybe we're gone a couple of Sundays from church. Maybe we're just distracted by other things. Whatever it may be, that there's like a period of time where all of a sudden it gets to dangerous territory. And this is where the nation of Israel is. Is that they're, they are susceptible and ready to go right back and say, go right down the list, number one and number two, and break the top two commandments as, uh, in order. If Moses doesn't come down the mountain, maybe they just start going down the list. And they go all the way to number 10. But this is what happens. This vulnerable moment of temptation. And like to dig in a little bit to what they particularly did. You know, they made a golden calf, which seems like an odd thing. But it is, it is um, there was many depictions in this area and in Egypt of gods that were depicted as like bulls. And so this is probably some kind of a picture or reflection of that. And they took the gold that they had that was about to be melted down to make the Ark of the Covenant to worship God. They used it instead to make a little, little calf instead. And you see the words that they use as they're talking about it. Is they said, look, this is what brought us out of Egypt. This is what brought us out of Egypt. And they start to say, like, you know what? Maybe it was, there's other things that hold that power and other things that I can rely on. When we know it was only God that brought them out of Egypt. How, like, how, what a bold statement. Almost the damning statement that they, re, that they say is that these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. 
This is the picture of what helped you and what will help you. And this is, this is kind of how it transpires in my life is, is if there are like lots of stressful things, let's say there's a financial stress that is coming on in my life. If there's a financial stress that's coming on in my life, like the tendency is to say, you know what, I need to like rely on money right now and work out the budget right now and figure out all those things right now because that's the only thing that's going to get me through in this moment of stress. Be wise with your money, but realize that's not your salvation. That's not it. That's not what's going to save you, and that's not what's brought you to this point. And they, they decided, hey, remember all those little cool little uh, gods that they had back in Egypt? Remember, like, the cool pyramids that they had that we probably made? Um, that stuff, maybe that will sustain us right now because we aren't feeling it from God right now in this moment in time. So there's so many different things that all of a sudden we can put in the place of God. And idols are something that we think are like a bygone like sin that was for an era long ago when they were doing stuff like making calves, golden calves, and worshiping them. The reality is idols may be one of the greatest temptations that we face in our time and era today. I've heard stories and reflections from some uh, uh, missionary people who have traveled to the United States. And I, I heard this story that, that people who experience the United States for the first time sometimes have some interesting cultural perspectives on the way that we do things. And I heard a story about a missionary from another country that walked into these living rooms of different houses of people in the United States and they say, why do you all just like design your entire houses around the shrine of your TV? <laughs> you, you circle up your couches. Your whole flow of your house is around this, this beautiful idol that you put in front of you and you spend all your time watching it. America is full of idolatry. And that was the reflection that this missionary from another culture had. Wow, pretty interesting, right? That the pictures, that, that what we put as our priority and what we put up and what we, what we focus in on, a lot of times God is several steps down that list as far as what we rely on. What do we rely on to sustain us? It's a lot of other things. And so we look at the um, Israelites, and this story is easy for us to just kind of criticize them. But I think it's a story that we all have to think about and embrace and say, what is it that when I'm in this vulnerable moment of temptation that I put up to say, this will be my answer in this moment? Because God is not cutting it. God, I don't know where he is. God is not answering my prayers right now in this moment in time. I need to do something else. I need to turn to something else. And so, what is your golden calf? What are the temptations that you're going to face? What are the things that would cause you to, to um, start falling on the number one and number two of the Ten Commandments? 
that we've received. I think that the things that we need to do to, to uh, protect ourselves from this natural thing that will happen in our own salvation journey is to prepare ourselves for the journey. Prepare ourselves. Prepare ourselves and know that we're going on a journey. The scripture says that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The idea being that, you know, it wasn't just one day I was baptized and I'm all set. No, it's something that is going to be a struggle and a journey and difficult. And the road is going to be long and I'm going to have to work it out and I'm going to have to work at it and struggle through it. Because if not, I'm going to fall back into the same things that I was before. And I'm just going to keep struggling and not have any kind of breakthrough in my life. Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Imagine if you were going on a long journey. Okay? A long journey. Uh, many of you, how many took a road trip this year uh, or this summer for... Uh, Come on, I know you. If you didn't, then where were you the past uh, few Sundays? Because everybody was gone on vacation. Some of you, okay, come on, you told me you were gone. Um, but, uh, you know, summertime, people take a long journey, right? I'm the type of person that I'm like, you know what? I'll pack about 20 minutes before we go. And if I forget something, Walmart is always there, okay? Uh, we'll figure it out. But my, my wife is much better at it. You know, she is like several days in advance preparing for it. And then there's the bag for the kids. There's a bag for the dog. There's a bag for the car. There's, a, you know, all this different stuff. And got to check the weather. And we're, you know, all these things. But imagine a journey even beyond that where you're like going into perilous territory. You're going up to the mountains. You're going like on a journey where it's not like Walmart next door where you're going to deal, you know, solve any of your problems. To go on that journey, you'd prepare. My guess is you'd think about the obstacles you're going to face. You'd think about the things that you need. You would like make preparations. You'd give thought. You would, you would. You would prepare the way. Like, you know, the thing that comes to mind is the old uh, video game I played in the fourth grade on the, on the Apple computers in my fourth grade classroom, the Oregon Trail, right? <laughs> Where before you got going, you had to, you know, have some money and declare a job and buy some, buy some bullets from uh, the general store so that you could, you could hunt bison and uh, stuff like that on the, on the trail, all in beautiful 3D graphics. But if you didn't prepare for that journey, the Oregon Trail, on the computer or in real life, you're going to die of dysentery, right? That's the way it goes. Some of you have played the game. Some of you haven't. Okay. Um, some inside jokes with that, that game. I think pretty much everybody makes it about like a third of the way there and just dies of dysentery. The, point of the, the entire point of that game for kids was to say it was pretty rough in the Oregon Trail and you got it good, so stop whining. Um, that was the point of the Oregon Trail game for fourth graders in 19, the late 80s. But um, the point of it is is if you're going on a long journey, you prepare yourself for the journey. You prepare yourself for these things. And the scripture tells us that this is, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be arduous. And it gives us this picture of these people as a picture for us. 
a picture for how we have to work out our own salvation and the own struggles that we come up against. You know, and there's, there's several things in Scripture that we see and several things in this story that we see as like helpful things to prepare us for this journey. We see first and foremost that it just, you, you have to have a foundation. And as soon as that foundation started to slide, as soon as they were not clear on the commandments that earlier they said, God will follow you, we will follow, we will follow, everything else just fell completely apart. They had to be clear on their foundation. They had to be clear on who was in control. And all these lessons that you see over and over and over should have prepared them to say, I, we trust in God and we don't trust in other things. We trust in God alone. Commandment one, commandment two really has to be the foundation of where we're at. But there's other markers and other things even uh, in the last few chapters in the book of Exodus that gives us some pictures. You know, um, in the last couple of chapters, it details, of course, um, uh, it details the, the sanctuary that they're going to build. And it details the, uh, all the things that they're going to do to worship. But recognize, like we talked about last week, they're regularly coming in and they're regularly offering sacrifices and repenting. They're regularly recognizing their ability to fall. They're recognizing their need for God to come and to forgive them. I think it needs to be close to us on a regular basis, like that point of, like just tenuous point where we know that we're sinners and we have to always remember that and keep that close to us, that it can get ugly really quick and they regularly had to go in and offer their sacrifices and repent. Also in chapters later on, it talks about how there's going to be different celebrations throughout the year. It talks particularly about three different celebrations. And what were those? They were reminders, Right? There were reminders of what has happened in their life. We celebrate birthdays, we celebrate anniversaries, and we do all of these types of things in our culture and in our time, you know, to remember things that are important. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going um, to the, the best birthday party I've ever been to in my life, okay? Um, our own very good friend, um, uh, at... Ashley Gomez was uh, had her quinceanera. I can't say it. I pra I said it 57 times yesterday, and I got it wrong 53 uh, times. But she had that celebration, and I was like, man, for like in our culture, for like 15th birthdays, we're like, here's a cake, here's a present, good luck. Uh, do you want to have anybody over for a sleepover party? And it's like their part. It was like it was there was a great ceremony to start. You know, and, and Ashley's grandfather spoke a message of encouragement to her. And other people came around and said blessings and prayers and read scripture to her and said, like, all the things that she's done in her life and, and, and like, these really meaningful things. And I was like, this is the coolest birthday party I've ever been a part of. How awesome is that? And then there was a lot of food and good tacos and a big party afterwards. But it was so meaningful. And it was, like, I walked away, I was like, this is awesome, this is wonderful to be a part of something like this, because we need to remember things, and we need to know, like, who we are, 
And like these stages in life as we're growing up and we're developing, we need to look back maybe at those milestone moments in our life and say, you know, God was there. If you had a moment in time in the past where God showed up, kind of like that salvation story, whatever that journey is that you've had, where it's like, I know God was there. I know something happened. I know God spoke to me. You need to keep that really close to your heart. You need to keep it really close to you, especially and especially close to you in those moments where things are starting to slide and you're not hearing God's voice. Where, when it's been a long time since something like that has happened. You need to do that. Like if you're, if, that's why anniversaries are so meaningful. Go pop in the wedding tape again and remember what you said at the altar, Right? Because we need to remember what God has done, and that needs to like remind us and sustain us in these times where things are not exactly the way that we think they should be. And that those are some of the those are the things that uh, God said. It's like you need to repent on a regular basis, and this was almost like a regular part of the nation of Israel. But then they had special like celebrations that they had. But then there's another picture even in the last chapters of the book of Exodus that are really that is really interesting. Is Moses returns to the mountain. What happens, and I'm not going to detail all of it because I'm already going long enough, but uh, Moses comes down from the mountain and is angry at the people, of course, that are worshiping this golden calf. He smashes the Ten Commandments that he's given uh, into this idol and like uh, uses it and grinds the idol down into gold dusts. The people drink a mixture of water and gold dust, and I think that that's where there's some alcohol that has gold in it. I don't know. Uh, whatever. What is, I heard somebody say it. What was it? There you go. Um, just what I've heard. That's, that's just what she's heard. I think that was the start of this. <laughs> but like, and like awful, like there's consequences for this. And all these terrible things take place. And really the picture of Moses breaking the commandments on that idol is the picture of the people broke their covenant with God. They broke the commandments. So Moses goes back up to the mountain and receives another set of the Ten Commandments, another set of those tablets the scripture talks about when he returns, how he was in the presence of God, and when he shows up, his face shone, and people were almost terrified to see him because he was so close to the presence of God. And it was like, whoa, this is a big deal. And I don't know that we'll have any of those kinds of moments, but we do need to have moments in time where we like, we feel God, and we know God is there. And we have those moments of worship that fill us up, and we sense and know that God is there. And it's important if, if we're struggling to find it, that we go out and we seek it and seek it and seek it. And the final words in the book of Exodus, it talks about in chapter 40, verse 34. Um, this is after the tabernacle and all of it is built. 
says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all um, all the house of Israel during the travels. And the presence, so the presence of the Lord was right there among them. We need to seek those moments. We need to seek those times. And if there's, if there's plot twists, if there's ups and downs, if there's moments where God seems far, we need to go back and we need to like, be nourishing our soul, seeking God's presence. Maybe go back to those stories. Maybe have those anniversaries and celebrations. But a regular part of who we are is we need to, we need to seek and know the presence of God. When Jesus came... He said this, my sheep will know the shepherd's voice. The people who like know God will know his voice, will know who he is, will have a relationship. And isn't that the picture of all of it? Isn't that the picture of the whole book of Exodus? Isn't that the picture of all of scripture where it's saying that the people who figure it out will know God, will have a relationship with God, a communion. We'll understand who He is. We'll have a regular communication. All of these things. So as we conclude this book and we look at all these salvation stories, the struggle, the ups and downs, I hope that you don't get lost in all the details. And miss just the simple, simple truth that the God of the universe is seeking a relationship with us. That in all the ups and downs, all the struggle, the whole journey, it's all about a relationship with our Creator. It's all about finding that in the midst of storm and difficulty and the craziness of this world and nurturing and cultivating that. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not going to be easy, and it's easy to slip away. But learn from the people who had their ups and downs, had their struggles, and say, I'm going to cultivate this relationship with everything that I have. God, we pray today. That we would know your presence, we would know who you are. In the ups and downs of our journey, I pray that we would seek your face. That we would find opportunities and moments where you're close to us. That we would find relationships. God, you made a covenant. To Abraham, you made a covenant to Moses, to the nation of Israel, to us. That you would bless us. That you would show us the way to our own promised land. That if we 
confess our, our faith and trust in you that we'll have eternal life. God, you've made a covenant with us, a relationship with us. Help us through this long journey. Sustain us. Guide us. We're going to go into one last song, but what I want you to just kind of reflect on for a moment during this song is your own salvation journey. Maybe you need to look back to one or two of those moments where it was a really important moment in your life where you're like, I need to remember that. If it's a struggle, if you're not quite sure what to even reflect on, cry out to God. Ask God to show up. Repent of your sins. Say, God, come into my life. Help me. Give me a, give me a new story. Give me a new start. And hold on to that story. Hold on tightly.